Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday feature. It is Friday, January, February, March, April, May uh, 8th. <clears throat> and my name is Damon Heitman. I am one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Uh, if you are sort of just uh, tuning in for the first time to a Friday feature and you don't know what it is, I'm going to try to explain what it is very simply and very succinctly. So one of the things that we've started doing at First Pres is a thing called the Monday check-in. And during that Monday check-in, we do a little preview of the scripture for the upcoming Sunday, Pastor Greg and I. Uh, we read the scripture, we have a little chat, then we take that and we hand it off to an artist and say, what do you got, essentially? Uh, what is this? What do you play with this and see what happens kind of a thing, right? Uh, and so that's what then we come back on Friday with that artist and do this little chat And so that's where we are this week is a little bit different the past few weeks We've had folks writing songs uh, This week we are joined by Lene Hall. Lene, are you there? I am here Okay, excellent. We always like that uh, and Lene has written a poem for us, so we're going to have a little spoken word this morning or afternoon or night or whenever you're listening to this, right? <clears throat> and, the, and so the title of the poem, Lene, is Rise, Leave the Grave Clothes. Is that correct? It is. Okay, excellent. And we sort of came about, or I came about, uh, learning that this poem existed um, differently than sort of the process has worked for some of the other Friday feature sorts of things. So could you maybe just tell us a little bit about, uh, about how this piece of art came to be? Well, it ended up on your computer and at your attention because I shared it with Kylie Winberg who felt like it was worthy of being featured. And so she shared it to give you a little bit of a nudge and maybe embarrass me a little bit too. <laughs> and, and was she successful? <laughs> she seems to have been successful. Okay, good. Much to her delight. I think. <laughs> uh, and folks are going to, I think, discover pretty quickly once we sort of dive into the poem. Uh, it seems to have really strong allusions to the story of Lazarus from the Gospel of John. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Well, this poem was inspired during my Easter Vigil prayers. Um, because I love the Easter Vigils so much, and I was just wanting to keep up the tradition, even though we couldn't have the vigil at the church, I kept vigil at my own home. And I love to do the Easter vigil at the kind of the magic hours of the night, the deep, wild, still hours of the night. And so what I did was I purposed to stay up until, say, four in the morning. And during this time of, of prayer and deep reflection, these words started coming to me and what I was doing was I was just praying as though I were with Jesus in the tomb and so that is really part of the inspiration of this poem is first imagining 
what would that experience have been like to be in the tomb in the darkness and then to rise and to leave those grave clothes behind like we read in John 20 when the the disciples came to the tomb and Peter went in and he just saw those strips of grave clothes lying there you know leaving the grave clothes behind leaving the tomb behind and so various words started coming to me just from things in my own life that you know have been like grave clothes leaving those behind yeah, so a really a strong sort of imagining of um, this is one of the things that Pastor Greg and I talk about frequently, actually. When we're reading scripture, one of the interpretive tools that we use is imagining ourselves in the story, uh, imagine ourselves as a character in the story and what was that experience like and all that sort of stuff. And sorry, my cat was on the table. It shouldn't have been. <laughs> so that'll be a fun little audio blip. <laughs> in the final mm -hmm. recording real but, life yeah but we talk about yeah being <coughs> imagining ourselves in that space and in that time and it sounds as though that's sort of essentially what you were doing imagining that tomb and, and what that would be like it's interesting to me also that it strikes these strong chords because also in the gospel of john um just sort of previous to jesus the resurrection is the resurrection of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that Jesus says when Lazarus emerges from the tomb is unbind him and let him go. Mm -hmm. and, and so many of the things that you are going to share through this poem, so they, they strike that same sort of chord to me. Unbind me of these things and, and let me go. And one of the places where I see a, a strong connection to the to the scripture reading that we have for this coming Sunday, which is from, from Peter, one of Peter's epistles, is Peter talks about sort of this, this shifting away from um, the things that, that we sort of were fascinated by sort of previous to faith and shifting towards um, more lasting things and more eternally focused things. And and I've and I see and I feel that sort of sense coming through in this poem as well. Is that sort of what you are envisioning when you're thinking about grave clothes and and what grave clothes are? That could be, you know, grave clothes could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, you know. And I know I've listed some specific things that are relevant to my personal experience in the poem. But when someone reads it, perhaps there's the invitation there to think of what are like grave clothes in my life? What's hindering my spiritual life? What's hindering my spiritual growth? You know, what is of ego that is binding me and holding me back? And perhaps that is some of what the scripture for this week in Peter is referring to as well, is letting go of that which binds us and being able to put that aside and be clothed in you know, the spiritual garments of grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Peter, in the passage, he talks about becoming living stones. Um, it's the, the stone that the builders have rejected is, is a reference to Jesus, but he encourages the people, of, the believers, to become living stones. Um, and, I, and I just, I feel a connection between that sort of 
you know, you have this sort of rise as a refrain in your poem, rise, rise, awaken, um, like awaken into what, right? <laughs> and to become what, and in Peter's language, I think he would say, well, become a living stone. Um, so should there we, is, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and there is that, that thought that, or that theme that is present in my poem is becoming awake, truly awake, truly alive. Mm -hmm. Like not just present in the body and the body is breathing and the heart is beating, but really deeply awake and alive. Yeah, it reminds me of one of my favorite um, music lyrics from Corby Lenker. Uh, and the line is, the world is full of people who are half asleep. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I see uh, the glory of God is man fully alive. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I forget right now exactly who said that, but I know Kylie loves to loves that quote. <laughs> that does seem like a very <laughs> Kylie sort of a quote. It does. Um, now seems like so we've sort of um, we've got a couple of sections that we would like to share with folks. Now seems like a good time to read that first section, if you wouldn't mind. And just a reminder to folks: this is Lene Hall, and she is reading a portion of her poem. Rise, leave the grave clothes. All right. It is time to leave the tomb. I have been there a while, not alive, but dead to life deepened. Dead, not alive. Not alive, not risen. Not living, nor rising. In a tomb, been. It is time to arise, leave this tomb, return no more to this place. Rise, leave the grave clothes behind, seal the tomb, return no more to this death. Resentment, toxic envy, bitterness of seeing others richly clothed in honor and influence you have sought, but feel nakedly unknown. Grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes. Rise, leave the grave clothes, Seal this tomb, free, walk in light, clothed new. Praise and honor craved from some, stories and needs carried, unmet, not to be met, still worn, worn to tatters. Grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes. Rise, leave the grave clothes, seal this tomb, free, Walk in light, clothed new. Desires to have your words known, esteemed, quoted, to carry weight in the world and ring wild into the night. This want to be a thought leader, a spirit leader, a standard bearer of belovedness. Grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes. Rise, leave the grave clothes. Seal this tomb. Free, walk in light, clothed new. Understanding, a mirror held to you. You may fancy yourself prophet or poet, mystic or mother to the world, and wish this seen. But these small ego longings, they are. Grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes. Rise, leave the grave clothes. Seal this tomb, free, 
walk in light, clothed new. The trappings of ego, social norms, the pressure to be doing, creating, producing, squeezed by deadening belief, you are only relevant in doing and known to be doing. Done, I am. Grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes. Rise, leave ego's grave clothes, seal its tomb, free, walk in light, clothed new, in fleshed grace. Don't you yet know? You are relevant by being risen, awake, alive, enlivened, enfleshed grace. And we'll put a pause there for now. This, um, it, um, it reminds me of a couple of, of other sorts of things. One is that it has a very Ecclesiastes feel. I don't know if you're familiar with Ecclesiastes. Um, I am. This is, this is the um, everything is a vanity and a chasing after the wind. Uh, kind of and how, how often we get caught up in in chasing after those sorts of like the things of pride, the things of influence, the things of um, uh, all those sorts of things. Um, and another, it strikes me also in the passage from, from Peter, he starts, the passage starts off um, by comparing the followers of the way to, he compares them to infants. Um, and so there's this implied idea of, y'all got some growing to do right <laughs> and and we all do like we all have we all still have some maturing um to do and i don't know was that sort of kind of the the line of thinking for you in, in sort of crafting that or was it entirely different that could be quite relevant to it yes like this sense of sometimes i feel a little bit frustrated because I think perhaps I should have arrived at an enlightenment by now. <laughs> then, <laughs> much to my so chagrin, <laughs> what? What's why taking am me I so not, Why am I not better at enlightenment? I know, right? <laughs> That's what I keep wondering sometimes. And then I keep remembering, you know what? I'm a human being. And this is part of the human condition, is that imperfectness and that constant need to be growing. And it's a little bit like going deeper and deeper each time I come around to a certain struggle or a certain ego trap, if you will. And I wonder, why is that still there? You know, why? I thought I defeated that. And it's not like all the other victories are somehow rendered moot or pointless. They are still there. This is just a deeper a deeper undoing, a deeper unraveling, a deeper liberty that is mm -hmm. coming. And that's a part of the process. It might be painful. And many times it is painful for me and maybe I make it more painful than it needs to be, but. Yeah, yeah, with that sense of, yeah, there is always, there's always <clears throat> growth to, to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to tap into. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's very, it's a very powerful idea for us, right? Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's one of those things that strikes me as both convicting and freeing, at the same time. Right? Yes. Like, you know, to think I have growth to do, right? The idea that I have growth to do means that I am capable of growth. 
as well, right? So, so it's, it's convicting and, and liberating. Yes. Um, so I would like to now sort of jump ahead to kind of the, the conclusion of your, of your piece of, of work here. And I think, yeah, if we just, just pick it up sort of where we, where we discussed earlier. Thanks. Rise, leave the grave close, all grave close, seal the tomb, free, walk in light, clothed, awake and alive, risen, risen in fleshed grace, dry bones enlivened, clothed in light, rise, leave the grave close of this past life, death, of what was thought normal, but was death. These grave clothes, they are but tatters and they stink. Shake them free. Dust, they disintegrate. Shake the dust free. Rise and walk. Return no more to this death. Risen, return to life. Things that have been thought normal in this world, scarcity, lack, greed, busyness and exhaustion, body and soul and earth depletion, unkindness and heart blindness, violence and war, inequity and injustice, grave clothes, nothing but grave clothes that are and belong to death. Let us all rise, leave these grave clothes, seal the tombs we have made for one another, seal them, return to them no more, Free, let us walk in light clothed, together, risen. Yeah, I like the, it, it seems to sort of take a turn towards the end or a shift in focus, maybe, from this sort of um, individually focused to these, what are, the, what are the things, what are the great clothes of us as a society, of us as a whole? Uh, what are the ways that we put one another in, we wrap each other up in grave clothes from time to time. And I like you, this phrase, enfleshed grace, um, you use sort of, you repeat this idea, enfleshed grace. And I think that that is very close to, to Peter's idea of becoming living stones. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you maybe, maybe as a way of sort of wrapping up for us, could maybe say a little bit more about that idea of enfleshed grace, what that, what that might mean to you in your, in your thinking and interpreting. There are some times, you know, in the creation of poems that thoughts or phrases come to you that have a sense that's a little bit beyond what you have the words for. So you just put the phrase there in the poem and let the meaning live in the hearts and minds of the hearers. But this notion of enfleshed grace, that is embodying something truer and richer and deeper of spiritual living, even in these human bodies. Like sometimes, or maybe this is something that I, I grew up believing that being in the flesh was bad. Flesh was bad. But this is a sense of redeeming 
our humanness, redeeming even the flesh by letting the grace, and not just lowercase g grace, but capital G grace, flood us and fill us and redeem us and make us truly what we're meant to be, sacred beings, spiritual beings, alive in this world. You know, like the living stones, as it were, in some sort of beautiful spiritual creation. Yeah. Well, that's, that's lovely. Thank you, Lene. Thank you for, for joining us for this. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening and, and checking it out. And uh, that seems like a, like a good place to wrap things up. Does that seem like a good place to wrap things up to you? It sure does. It sure does. Okay. So much. I will say, uh, until next time, everybody, toodaloo. Kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs>